0: Hi guys, you're listening to Real Talk with Tracy, and why do I call it Real Talk? Um, It's real things that have happened in my life. Um, I've been wounded in many ways emotionally, and I am not trying to play the victim But by being so hurt in the past has made me a very compassionate, understanding, loving, caring person. And uh, it makes me want to be there for other people who are going through similar things. I am enjoying sharing my life, little bits of my life with you. And I have listeners in a very short time all over the place, which is really exciting. I have listeners in Canada, in the Philippines, in Italy, in Germany, in the United States, in Australia. So uh, the Dominican Republic, I just want to say if you enjoy the podcast and you enjoy listening to people's real life stories... Feel free to share this podcast, it's free, I will try to make each of them not too long because, my God, I don't want to be boring. Oh, where to begin? Okay, I grew up with a mom and dad, I was the only child, and they broke up, and it was extremely sad, and my mother was really depressed. And she started drinking and doing drugs and leaving me home alone and she was a total mess. I'll go into that on another podcast. What I wanted to talk about is she told me one day, I'm really not your mother. I'm just a glorified babysitter. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, my sister, your aunt Janice, the one that you just love so much that's really your mother. And I was like, ready to pass out when I heard this. I'm, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Well, she gave birth to you and she couldn't raise you and we wanted you and we adopted you and it's been kept a family secret, but you know, I'm just a glorified babysitter. You know, this was through her drunken, nervous breakdown time. So she said, you know, life has been all about you. Now life is going to be all about me. And you guys, she wasn't kidding. Life became all about her and she forgot who I was. Um, But what I wanted to talk about for some reason is I wanted to really talk about my biological father. Uh, My biological father I met when I was 18. His sister came into my life when I was legal because she wanted to find me. And, you know, even the birth certificates were changed. I mean, this was kept such a tight family secret. Why? I don't know why. I mean, why? Why keep this such a family tight family secret? So, anyway, I meet my biological father. And his brother at the same time. And his brother was, like, really dynamic and outgoing and handsome. And he could really spin a story. He was a salesperson. He was accomplished. I was really hoping he would be the biological father, but he wasn't. He was my Uncle Steven. And he was wonderful. And he died of brain cancer. So that was a really... Hard loss to lose to lose him. And he's been gone now. Oh gosh, I want to say between 10 and 15 years, I'm losing track of how long people have left. But anyway, um, so his brother, Nick, who was my biological father, left me and my mother when she had gone to see her parents, left a note in her suitcase saying, you know, I can't do this. Meanwhile, I'm an infant. She's 18 years old. So her sister and her sister's husband steps in and they adopt me, which is really an admirable, wonderful thing to do at the time. So Nick comes back into my life. And like every little girl, I think you want your father to love you. My uncle that raised me. Uh, was overly critical in my opinion. And, you know, finding this new biological father, um, I was looking for a deeper connection. I was looking at being accepted and wanted and loved. And we started a friendship. And we started a friendship and... He wound up taking me on a cruise with his wife and my husband. And it's like, wow, my, 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 you know, my uncle that had raised me, even though he had put a lot of effort and money, I'm sure, into raising me, he would never do anything extravagant like that. You know, I remember when we got our townhouse and he brought over some, (laughs) he told me he got me a patio set, you guys, it wound up being like this used, horrible, dirty patio set that had sat in his backyard for years and he threw it over the fence and that's what I got and he got himself a new set. So, the fact that I had this man that I was linked to by blood, the fact that he was taking us on a cruise... I thought it meant he loved me. I really did. And I got to know him, and he was very intelligent, and we developed a friendship. And we would see each other from time to time. And years went by, and he wanted to take the family on another family cruise, which I thought, oh my God, he must really love me. You know, he's paying for another cruise. Okay. So, what it boils down to, he's the ultimate, my biological dad, narcissist. He had four kids, gave two up for adoption. I was one of them. So, I felt kind of thrown away when I found out that he just walked away like you know, like a wrapper when you eat a taco and you kind of ball up the wrapper and throw it in the trash and then, like, you never think about the taco wrapper again. I felt like the wrapper of the taco. Just very unimportant. And the fact that he was giving me some attention now, I felt, like, important again. Like, wow, he loves me. Okay, this is good. I'm like this you know, rescue dog that's been out in the cold. I'm wagging my tail. I'm really excited. So anyway, um, we have this friendship over the years, and basically he bitches about coming out to California. He doesn't like the traffic. It's a rat race. I don't want to come out there. If you want to see me, you have to come to me. And without going into, like, too much detail and boring the shit out of you, which I don't want to do, I'll tell you about the last time I saw him. I and my sister-in-law, who I absolutely adore, we went to Las Vegas. We didn't go to Gamble. We didn't go to the Strip. We got a condo in Summerlin because I wanted to see my biological dad. And we met up with him and he had a couple coupons so we took us out for dinner and him and his wife were really into like selling like used clothes and estate stuff like on eBay and I like eBay too and so that would be like a lot of what we would talk about anyway i was having really bad chest pain in the middle of the night guys and I literally thought I was having a heart attack. This is like on the third day there. And I get up in the morning. I'm having jaw pain. I'm having chest pain. I am absolutely scared. So we cut the trip short. I call my husband. I'm like, oh, my God, what should I do? Should I get on the plane? Should I go to the hospital? He said, my husband's like, yes, go to the hospital. So... I take like three or four baby aspirin, because I've always heard that's what you do, right? Thin out your blood. I go to the hospital. The hospital's running all these tests, and they tell me we want to do a CT with contrast. So we're going to keep you overnight. You're going to meet with the cardiologist the next morning. And when I met with him, he says, I want to do a CT with contrast just to see what kind of blockages you have. They didn't want to let me go until they did that because they were concerned, you know, about my heart health. I had not had a heart attack, but because I had the chest pain, I had the jaw pain, they wanted to do a CT with contrast, which I thought, oh my god, this is a great idea. So, I'm in the hospital, and my sister-in-law is with me, and Her mom, who's coming back from Nicaragua, is ill. And so she really needs to go home the next day. So I said to her, you know what? You really, I love you. I hate that we're going through this. I really need you to go home because you may have to, you know, help your mom who's in Nicaragua come back. Anyway, the day I went into the hospital, which was five minutes from my bio dad's house, Guess how many hours it took him to come to see his precious daughter, the one he threw away like a taco wrapper. It took him seven fucking hours, you guys. Seven hours. I was there with my sister-in-law, who's a gem. She's gold. She's amazing. And she kept saying, where is he? And I said, "I, I, I don't know. And he's calling me. He's going to holiday parties with his meetup group, with his wife. The next... He finally came. They stayed for like maybe 10 or 15 minutes. The next day, guys, she has to go back to L.A. I am still in the hospital. I have a migraine that's off the charts. My so-called father is nowhere to be found. I'm there all by myself, guys. And I'm telling my husband over the phone who had started a new job, don't come because I just have to get this test. If this test says that I could travel home, then you really don't need to be here. So, I am being fasted all day, they're giving me medication, I have IVs in my arm, they're shooting me with God knows what in the middle of the night, shots in the stomach, and he doesn't show up the whole day. He calls and he says, guess what I'm doing? And I said, what? Patty and I are eating pulled pork sandwiches at the party that we're at. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah, we're at this party. It's really great. There's a lot of food. So this is his whole focus. This is his whole focus. By the next day, I was a blubbering idiot I was crying, which I hardly ever do because I'm on Prozac and it doesn't let you cry easily. I'm crying and bawling and realizing, what the fuck am I doing here? Why did I spend all this money to come to Vegas to see this man who gave me away, who threw me away when I was a child and never looked back? This man who's had four children, who doesn't give a shit, About anything but building his own wealth, looking like a big shot, having a big house, driving the Mercedes, those free cruises was just a way of him getting over his guilt. It was just a way of him being able to go, see, look what I've done for you. Look what I've done for you. Yeah. You've missed my whole entire fucking life, you narcissist. And now I'm in the hospital and I'm scared because you have heart disease. You've already given me your back problems genetically. And now I'm waiting for this test. I've had an ongoing migraine every day and you're partying it up at people's house eating fucking pulled pork sandwiches. So this is true, you guys. So they kept delaying. They kept delaying my test. They kept delaying it. I got the test on day four. I found out I have four blockages under 50%. So I can't have a angiogram yet. But guys, from his side of the family, a gift that keeps giving... I got coronary artery disease. Gee, dad, thanks a bunch. So his wife, the night before I was getting out of the hospital, called me and said, and she knows I haven't showered. I've had a migraine for three days. I spent all this money to come up to see him, you know, um, She says, oh, make sure that you call the airlines and get the first flight out tomorrow morning. Oh, gee, how thoughtful of you. I've been in the hospital for three to four days. And you're telling me instead of like, do you want to come back to the house and maybe stay a couple days, take a hot shower? Kind of like, you know, we don't want to rush you. You know, you're probably really weak. No, guys, I didn't get that. They picked me up. I spent the night. And I got the first flight out the next morning. Because they just didn't care. And I couldn't believe it. And I came home. And I was talking to my husband. Who I started feeling angry at. Because he didn't drop everything and come up to Las Vegas. But again, I told him... Don't come. You have a new job. So I just felt so thrown out again, like that old fucking taco wrapper again, guys. I remember back to some conversations that we had a few months earlier where he was bragging about his Mercedes and how big his house is. And saying how much money he had in the bank. And I have so much money, I don't even have to touch my savings. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, he had four kids who he never raised. He left every one of them in the crib. Two he gave away, including my half-brother, which he doesn't want anything to do with. I finally met him. He's an amazing man. I looked him up and I met him three years ago, my half-brother. And I started thinking about all the conversations, like when my husband got laid off and he recommended that we go on food stamps. It's like, what the fuck? Who recommends to their daughter go on food stamps? I mean, we've always been the ones to do charity and help people out. And when you love somebody, that's what you do. My God, when my half-sister got laid off at one point, the first thing I said is, Get up here. I'm going to take you for a massage. We're going to have a girls' evening, a relaxing evening. And I want to fill up your fridge. I want to take you grocery shopping. Because that's what people do that care. We share. We love one another. Sometimes we show it in a financial way. Then another time I'm remembering after I got laid off from my company job, I was driving. I used to have company cars every two years, so now I didn't. So I got a, what was it, a Crown Victoria, and I really drove it into the ground. I had no car payments. It was a cheap car. Everybody kept saying, oh my God, it's such a big, luggy, ugly, you know, it's like a guy's car. It's like, why aren't you driving a a cool, hip car? And I said, because I don't want the, you know, the payments. I'd rather use my money other places. So anyway, um, this car kept breaking down. And my bio dad would always say to me, oh, when are you going to get rid of that old sled and, you know, I would tell him, well, you know, eventually I'm going to get a better car. And he would always push on me. When are you going to get rid of that old sled? As he's buying his, you know, every couple years, his wife a new car. He's buying himself a Mercedes. He's bragalicious, braggy, 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 which is his favorite thing to do. Just to like try to let people think he's so successful And I said, hey, you want to help me with the down payment? And he said to me on the phone, no, why would I ever want to do that for you? And I realized this guy just doesn't give a shit. So I wound up losing it emotionally with him on the phone a couple months after this hospital incident. And instead of being able to talk things out with me, you're living in the past. I can't deal with this. He just shut me out of his life completely. Just dumped me. After talking to this person from the age of 18 to the age of 57, I thought we had a good relationship. And because I was angry and I told him how I feel, he dumped me. The narcissist walks away again because things are just not comfortable for him. Aw, poor him. He can't handle any discomfort. And there's a good analogy for this, you guys, and I should have really listened instead of looking at him through my rose-colored glasses of being such a needy girl, he lives in a Del Webb community, and they play cards. He plays with a group, and there's a blind man. He's almost totally blind. He can't drive. So he asks my bio dad for a ride, and I'm talking like two blocks. He passes the guy's house anyway. So somebody picks up this blind guy and and he would ask my bio dad, do you mind bringing me home since I'm on, on the way home? My bio dad was upset that he is now his responsibility, that he has to give this guy a ride. And he told me this and I said, are you kidding me? Like, they don't understand charity. They don't understand caring. It's all about him and his wife. They don't want any little, tiny bit of discomfort. When he came to that hospital room and I was bawling, he sat across the room in a chair just Staring at me. And I said to him, will you please come over here and sit on the bed and hold my, my hand. I felt like my heart was breaking and he came over and sat down and he looked away. Couldn't even look me in the face. So I don't talk to him anymore. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, I have to accept that. And to be honest with you, it's been very hurtful and very hard because I've wasted a lot of energy and time and allowed him, somebody who would just throw away two kids, allow him back in my life. And I'm mad at myself that I allowed that. I am mad at myself, and sometimes there'll be things happening in my life, and I'll think, oh, I want to call him, and then I have to remember, oh no, he's a jackass, he's a selfish idiot, all he cares about is himself, do not call him. So, for those of you who are struggling with narcissistic parents, or you're estranged from your parents or one of your parents, I feel for you. It does not mean that you're defective. It means they failed us. They failed us, that's all I can tell you. And it's really, really sad. I keep picturing him on a boat, like Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland, like I'm putting him and his wife And my two half sisters who are both total narcissists. I put them in the boat. And I wait for the boat to go away. In the Pirates of the Caribbean. And somehow they sneak back on the dock. And I'm like, hell no. Get back in that boat. Get back in that boat. Why try with people that cause you so much pain? Why? It's a waste of energy. I'm a great... Loving person. I didn't deserve this. My brother, who he never acknowledged, didn't deserve this. Who he still will not acknowledge his own flesh and blood. Sad. So, anyway, guys, this is the no bullshit zone. You've been listening to the podcast about my narcissistic, biological, selfish-as-fuck father uh, from Hi Guys, Real Talk with Tracy. If you have enjoyed the story, if it has helped you in any way or have inspired you, I do podcasts all the time. They're free. Please feel free to share with friends and family. And remember, you're worth so much more. Than these assholes that don't see you. So just let them go. Put them on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and let them go up that waterfall and down into the dark, you know, river and just turn the other way and walk away. All right, guys, have a great day. Sending love and hugs to you all. Bye bye.